TED Audio Collective. I have a question for you. Do you know of any leaders who are facing huge challenges these days? Maybe you know just a few. Well, we know what great leaders typically do in these kinds of moments. They swoop in like a hero with big visions and bold execution plans, showing everyone how to get the job done. But maybe there is a better way. Welcome to the TED Business Podcast. I'm your host, Madhupa Akinola, a professor of management at Columbia Business School and director of the Sanford C. Bernstein & Company Center for Leadership and Ethics. In today's talk... From TED at BCG Mumbai 2019, Lorna Davis teaches you how to stop trying to be a hero and instead practice what she calls radical interdependence, which is also known as collaborative leadership. Lorna Davis has been a leader in multinational consumer goods companies, including Kraft, Mondelez, and Danone North America, where she served as CEO of the $6 billion company, helping it to become the largest B Corp in the world. Now, if you're a business leader managing your company through a crisis like COVID-19, or maybe you're just starting your career and trying to prove yourself by spearheading a brand new project, or you might just be trying to solve a problem that seems absolutely unsolvable, well, get ready to loosen that hero's cape as you listen to Lorna's talk. Support for TED Business comes from Odoo. What's Odoo? Well, Odoo is an all-in-one management software with apps for every business need. Odoo has apps for CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, manufacturing, and everything in between. And they're all in one easy-to-use software. And the best part about Odoo? All Odoo apps are integrated, helping you get things done faster and more efficiently. So when you think about business, Think Odoo. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash tedbusiness. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash tedbusiness. This show is brought to you by Schwab. With Schwab Investing Themes, it's easy to invest in ideas you believe in, like artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy as is or customize the stocks in a theme to fit your goals. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Add a little curiosity into your routine with TED Talks Daily, the podcast that brings you a new TED Talk every weekday. In less than 15 minutes a day, you'll go beyond the headlines and learn about the big ideas shaping your future. Coming up, how AI will change the way we communicate, how to be a better leader, and more. Listen to TED Talks Daily wherever you get your podcasts. It was a fantastic new pink suit with big buttons and shoulder pads. It was 1997, 
and I was the new boss of Griffin's Foods, an iconic cookie and snacks company in New Zealand. It was my first time as the leader of a company, and I was on the stage to give a big speech about our ambitious new goals. I knew exactly what my call to action was, which was one in every four times a Kiwi eats a snack, it'll be one of ours. I emphasized that we knew how to measure our results and that our future was in our control. Embarrassingly enough, I finished up with, if not this, what? If not us, who? And if not now, when? I got this huge round of applause, and I was really, really pleased with myself. I wanted so much to be a good leader. I wanted to be followed by a devoted team. I wanted to be right. In short, I wanted to be a hero, a hero selling chips and biscuits in a pink suit. <laughs> <laughs> What happened after that speech? Nothing. All of that applause did not lead to action. Nothing changed. Not because they didn't like me or the message. The problem was that no one knew what they were expected to do, and most importantly, they didn't know that I needed them. Now, you may think that this is a classic hero speech where I'm going to tell you that I overcame that obstacle and triumphed. Actually, I'm going to tell you that in a world as complex and interconnected as the one we live in, the idea that one person has the answer is ludicrous. It's not only ineffective, it's dangerous, because it leads us to believe that it's been solved by that hero, and we have no role. We don't need heroes. We need radical interdependence, which is just another way of saying we need each other, even though other people can be really difficult sometimes. I spent decades trying to work out how to be a good leader. I've lived in seven countries and five continents. And in recent years, I've spent a lot of time with the B Corp community, originally as a corporate participant and more recently as an ambassador. Now, B Corps are a group of companies who believe in business as a force for good. There's a tough certification with about 250 questions about your social and environmental performance. You must legally declare your intention to serve the community as well as your shareholders, and you must sign the Declaration of Interdependence. Now, one of the things that inspires me the most about the companies in this movement is that they see themselves as part of a whole system. It's sort of as if they imagine themselves on a big, flowing river of activity, where, if they are, for example, soft drinks manufacturers, they understand that upstream from them, there's water and sugar and farmers that grow that sugar and plastic and metal and glass. All of which flows into this thing that we call a company, which has financial results, and the flowing continues with consequences. Some of them intended, like refreshment and hydration, and some unintended, like garbage and obesity. Spending time with leaders in this space has led me to see that true collaboration is possible, but it's subtle and it's complex. And the leaders in this space are doing a few things very differently from traditional heroic leaders. They set goals differently. They announce those goals differently, 
and they have a very different relationship with other people. Let's begin with the first difference. A hero sets a goal that can be individually delivered and neatly measured. You can recognize a heroic goal. They use terms like revenue and market share, and are often competitive. I mean, remember Pink Suit Day? Interdependent leaders, on the other hand, start with a goal that's really important, but is actually impossible to achieve by one company or one person alone. I want to give you an example from the clothing industry, which produces 92 million tons of waste a year. Patagonia and Eileen Fisher are clothing manufacturers, both of them B Corps, both of them deeply committed to reducing waste. They don't see that their responsibility ends when a customer buys their clothes. Patagonia encourages you not to buy new clothes from them and will repair your old clothes for free. Eileen Fisher will pay you when you bring back your clothes and either sell them on. Or turn them into other clothes. While these two companies are competitive in some ways, they work together and with others in the industry to solve shared problems. They take responsibility for things that happen upstream as well. Around the world, there are around 300 million people who work from home in this industry. Most of them women. Many of them in very difficult circumstances with poor lighting. Sewing on buttons and doing detailed stitching. Until 2014, there was no protection for these workers. A group of companies got together with a not-for-profit called Nest to create a set of standards that's now been adopted by the whole industry. Once you've seen problems like this, you can't unsee them. So you have to ask others to help you to solve them. These folks take interdependence as a given and said to me. We don't compete on human rights. The second big difference for collaborators is their willingness to declare their goals before they have a plan. Now, the hero only reveals their carefully crafted goal when the path to achieve it is clear. In fact, the role of the hero announcement is to set the stage for the big win. Hero announcements are full of triumph. Interdependent leaders, on the other hand, Want other people to help them, so their announcements are often an invitation for co-creation, and sometimes they're a call for help. At the North American division of the French food company Danone, I announced that we wanted to become a B Corp, and unlike Pink Suit Day, I had no plan to get there. I remember the day really clearly. Everybody in the room gasped. Because they knew we didn't have a plan, but they also knew that we had seen our role in the river that is the food system, and we wanted to make a change. Making that declaration without a plan meant that so many young people in our company stepped up to help us, and B Corps around us all rallied around. And the day we became a B Corp. Wasn't just the self-congratulatory moment of a hero company; it was more like a community celebration. Now, when you have goals that you can't achieve alone, and you've told everyone about them, inevitably you land up at the third big difference, which is how you see other people inside your company and outside. 
Heroes see everyone as a competitor or a follower. Heroes don't want input because they want to control everything because they want the credit. And you can see this in a typical hero meeting. Heroes like making speeches. People lean back in their chairs, maybe impressed, but not engaged. Interdependent leaders, on the other hand, understand that they need other people. They know that meetings are not just mindless calendar fillers. These are the most precious things you have. It's where people collaborate and communicate and share ideas. People lean forward in meetings like this, wondering where they might fit in. When I was in Shanghai in China, where I lived for six years running the craft foods business, selling, amongst other things, Oreo cookies, We had a problem with hero culture. <laughs> we kept on launching new products that failed, and we would find out afterwards that everyone in the company knew they were going to fail. They just didn't feel free to tell us. So we changed the way we ran our innovation and planning meetings in two important ways. First of all, language went back to Chinese. Because even though everyone spoke great English, When I was in the room and the meeting was in English, they focused on me, and I was the foreigner, and I was the boss, and I apparently had that intimidating hero look. The second thing is we asked every single person in the meeting their opinion. And our understanding of the subtleties of the differences between American taste and Chinese taste in this case really improved and our new product success rate radically turned around, and we launched a lot of winners, including the now-famous green tea-flavored Oreos. Hero culture sneaks in everywhere. At Danone, we had a lot of great stuff happening in one part of the world, and we wanted it to spread to another part of the world. But when you put a person in business gear up in front of a group of people with PowerPoint, they have the urge to become sort of heroic. And they make everything look super shiny, and they don't tell the truth. And it's not compelling, and it's not even interesting. So we changed it, and we created these full-day marketplaces, kind of like a big bazaar. And everybody was dressed up in costume, some people a little, some people a lot. And sellers had to man their stalls and sell their ideas as persuasively as possible. And people who were convinced bought them with fake checkbooks. Creating just a bit of silliness with the environment and a hat or a scarf drops people's guard and causes ideas to spread like wildfire. There's no recipe here. But time together has to be carefully curated and created so that people know that their, their time is valuable and, and important and they can bring their best selves to the table. Hero culture is present right here in TED. This whole process makes it look like I think I'm a hero. So just in case there's any doubt about the point that I'm trying to make, I want to apply these ideas in an area in which I have zero credibility and zero experience. I'm originally South African, and I'm deeply passionate about wildlife conservation, most particularly rhinos, those majestic creatures with big horns. Every day, three rhinos are killed, because there are people who think that those horns are valuable, even though they're just made of the same stuff as hair and fingernails. 
it breaks my heart. Like all good recovering heroes, I did everything I could to reduce this goal to something that I could do by myself. But clearly, stopping rhino poaching is a goal way too big for me. So I'm immediately in interdependence land. I'm declaring my goal on this stage. I found other people as passionate as I am and have asked if I can join them. And after today, there may be more. And we're now in the complex but inspiring process of learning how to work together. My dream is that one day someone will stand on the stage and tell you how radical interdependence saved my beloved rhinos. Why does hero culture persist, and why don't we work together more? Well, I don't know why everyone else does it, but I can tell you why I did it. Interdependence is a lot harder than being a hero. It requires us to be open and transparent and vulnerable, and that's not what traditional leaders have been trained to do. I thought being a hero would keep me safe. I thought that in the elevation and separation that comes from heroic leadership, that I would be untouchable. This is an illusion. The joy and success that comes from interdependence and vulnerability is worth the effort and the risk. And if we're going to solve the challenges that the world is facing today, we have no alternative, so we had better start getting good at it. Thank you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. My social battery is a little tapped out, I have to admit, because I've had a really crazy period of travel and a lot of socializing over these past few weekends. And I know, even as a really social creature, that it can be easy to ignore our social battery and spread ourselves too thin. Maybe you, like me, thrive around people, or maybe you need a little bit more alone time. Therapy can give you the self-awareness to build a social life that doesn't drain your battery. I have benefited from therapy my entire adult life. I'm a huge evangelist for it. I feel like everybody should be in therapy because it's so important to know ourselves better in order to strengthen our relationships and to be able to function in a modern world that feels really precarious sometimes. So if you are thinking about starting therapy, why don't you give BetterHelp a try? It is entirely online. It's designed to be convenient and flexible for our busy schedules. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire. It'll match you with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TedBusiness today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TedBusiness. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. But that's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. such wonderful insights. Lorna Davis makes it so clear that power can come from shaking off that hero mentality, 
from inviting your whole team into the challenge. But that's so much easier said than done. What I love about Lorna Davis's talk is that at its core, it gives us permission to embrace uncertainty. This can be really scary, but there are a couple of companies that I'm aware of that have done this really well. These are companies that have invited their whole team into addressing challenges. So here's an example. You know those management offsites that companies usually host annually where the leaders go somewhere fancy and make big decisions by themselves? Well, these by nature aren't fully collaborative because they exclude most of the rest of the company. So what did Salesforce do? Well, instead of having senior leaders build strategy behind these closed doors, they actively engaged anyone in the company by allowing them to participate virtually in the offsite. They even introduced a chat platform for virtual participants to speak up in real time. So maybe the rank and file didn't get a fancy hotel room, but they had a voice just like members of the C-suite. Here's another example, Akamai, a company which provides web and internet security services. What executives here do is that they make their travel plans known so that employees in different global locations can connect with them and bring their suggestions. There is no better way to know what's on your employees' minds than to ask them by scheduling small coffee chats or lunches with groups of them. Now, what about Danone, the multinational food products company where Lorna Davis was an executive? The most recent CEO actually ensures translators are at all key meetings, which allows non-native English speakers to speak in their native tongues. This ensures they aren't at a disadvantage and can contribute their ideas freely. Now, these are all powerful examples of collaborative leadership. They show us that by involving others in approaching our greatest challenges, we can step into the unknown and we can do so boldly. But here's the big challenge. How do we actually undo the messaging that is ingrained in us that leader equals heroism and inventing the plan all by yourself? Here's what I want you to do. The moment you find yourself attempting to come up with a plan, whether it's a huge new pivot for your company or a small new experiment for your team, I want you to pause. Give yourself permission to not have a plan. Also, try labeling the emotions that might arise from not having a plan. Maybe that emotion is fear, uncertainty. Maybe it's some excitement. As a person who plans almost every second, minute, hour of my time, one of the most prevalent emotions for me in not having a plan is anxiety. But what we know from research is that labeling our emotions can reduce anxiety and can increase feelings of control, allowing us to be proactive and not reactive. Okay, so you've labeled those emotions, but like me, you're still itching for a plan. How about rather than devising a plan, write down the names of people who can help you achieve that goal. Perhaps like Salesforce, it's the virtual participants at the management offsite. Or maybe it's those you meet with unexpectedly when you travel, like the CEO at Akamai. Or it could be people who can finally comfortably express their opinions to you because you've offered a translator. Or it could even be people who work beside you every day. We need to remember that those all around us are precious resources we can tap into. And if we let go of trying to be the hero with all the answers, we might just find the heroism in others. 
Thanks so much for listening and until next time.